0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be. Helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We continue the four-part series today from my course entitled The Art of Asking Questions, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. We continue the conversation from last time today on knowledge, skill, and awareness, and explore the classic cliche brought to us by Lord Acton. I think it was the 19th century in in England. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, which is it's uh, so commonly talked about that nobody tends to scratch the surface of it and see the total and complete lack of critical thinking in that statement that is accepted as the societal bromide that it is. Again, this series is from my course, The Art of Asking Questions. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clear and open because it's my truth that with the right tools and the right awareness, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. I like hearing from you guys and any requests as well. Enjoy the show if you have the skill of asking questions but you don't have the awareness of curiosity the awareness will trump the skill the lack of awareness will cause you to not ask good questions and that's the most important thing so i could bore you for hours talking about the technique and science and art of asking questions but none of that is useful if you're not truly curious, the same way you could know a thousand martial arts techniques and be well-practiced skill at them. But if you panic when someone throws a punch at you, they're useless. They're useless. Or if you're drunk, which happened to me once. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't very good at the time. Probably I'd be way better now. But if you have an orange belt like I did at the time and you flirt with someone's... Uh, Uh, girlfriend and you're drunk and he throws a punch at you doesn't work very well. But I have now I have that experience. So I have that awareness. That was a long time ago. So what I'm going to try to do in this course, and I say try because I don't know if I can do it, but that's how I do these courses. I I only teach now things that I'm not sure if I can pull off because that's fun and you guys seem to like it. What I'm going to try to do is I can't make you more curious, and the reason I can't make you more curious is because the curiosity is already there. Curiosity is a soul essence. It's a soul aspect, and I would argue that all human beings have curiosity already there. What The problem is you have layered on top of it conditioning, fear, whatever, that blocks that but the curiosity is a geyser covered with rocks. I'm going to see if we can remove some of those rocks so that your relationship to your own inborn divine in intrinsic curiosity can be released. So technically uh, I, I don't think anyone can make someone else more curious, but they can uh, release it. And so I'm going to see if we can do that in some of the, early sessions. And that's why I wanted to talk about this today, because uh, I wanted to talk about the conditioning that has caused you to be less curious than you could be. And I always think that there's more curiosity that can be unlocked. Nobody is done uh, cultivating, you could say, or uh, releasing their curiosity. There's always more because it's an aspect of soul. And there's always more soul that can come through. Any questions about anything so far? The technical stuff about asking questions, like I said, it's easier and sort of more discreet to talk about, um, but it's not where the juice is and it's not unique to clear and open uh, either. I don't know anybody who tries to uncover your curiosity uh, in this way. There's lots of books you can get about asking questions and having hard conversations and how to coach and how to manage and all that. But again, that information is going to be limited to the degree you're not curious and I'm going to show you where you're not curious, where you choose comfort over curiosity. Because what I see many times working with managers is they get to a certain level of curiosity. Their questions go to a certain point, and then they don't go the last 10 or 20%. And I see it all the time, like, oh, the, the question is right there. Why don't you go to that, this logical next question? And the answer is not because they don't know the question. It's because there's a turning away from the curiosity. There's a a, a kind of um, back on the heelsness that causes them to not really want to know um, what's going on, and that's a lifestyle. Curiosity is a kind of you could say it's it's a kind of lifestyle. It's to really want to get to the bottom of everything. Of everything, it's a way of orienting toward reality, and. It, it means that you care so much about the truth, really, is one of the related values. You care so much about the truth that it just makes you curious. But you can come in many different doors. It could be um, your relationship to love that has you curious. You want to get to know the person really well. That, that could drive you for curiosity. This relates to the one thing, uh, which many of you have already know about. That's uh, covered in the first couple of sessions of Uh, My course called Learning for Change, the one thing. What's your most important soul value? Whatever that is for you, integrity, truth, love. um, For example, uh, curiosity could be a, a one thing. Whatever that is, if you inhabit it deeply, it should lead you to curiosity because all of those are soul aspects. All of those are soul aspects. So for me, truth is my one thing. And that's what drives my curiosity. I wanna know the truth of stuff. I wanna know how things work. And if I'm surrounded by a bunch of less curious people, I tend to drive them crazy because I've got so many questions, just like kids. But um, if you recall being shamed by your parents for being curious because your questions made them uncomfortable, that's another place or another reason why your curiosity was stifled. You know, how many stars are in the sky? How far away are they? Where are they? Why? 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 Now, children's questions tend not to be necessarily practical, and that's where they collide with the parents. who are just like, look, I'm trying to make dinner here. Can you stop with the existential questions? Um, but it's... Um, at the end of those questions that's uh that's where the parent is supposed to wonder i mean at the end of what they can answer why why is grass green because of chlorophyll well why is chlorophyll green why is it not blue could it be blue is it somewhere in the universe could there be blue grass Uh, is, is there grass anywhere else in the universe how do we know how do we not know you know what what's supposed to happen i would argue with uh, a parent receiving those kinds of, you could argue, foolish questions in expression and content. But in context, the child is wondering and engaging with their reality the same way infants put stuff in their mouth to try to get to know it. They want to know what's going on. And what a parent is supposed to do when those questions become impractical or unanswerable is to join the child with wonder to look up at the stars and say, I don't know how many there are. Rather than, well, there are you know, X number of billion and the closest one is 560 million light years away and we call that one Betelgeist or whatever. Like That's not wonder. That's just content. The child's not looking for answers per se. They're looking to have their curiosity validated. Content. Versus context, you see. And if you don't validate that wonder, that curiosity, then the kid shuts it down because it has no place to land. And then you become an incurious adult and do the same thing to your kids, generation after generation after generation. And that's the state of the world. Seven billion people who are mostly not curious, looking for content answers to solve their problems with no curiosity. Hmm, I wonder why it's not working. So curiosity is one of the answers to the world's problems. What's the real reason why uh, mass shootings happen? What's really behind racism rather than just calling something racist or calling someone racist? Where's that come from? Where did you get that idea? Why has it persisted for thousands of years? These are the conversations that create answers. Does power corrupt absolutely? How does it do that? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Okay, so the power is creating the corruption. How does that work? You like pour a little power in a cup and the cup, what? This is a quote from Lord Acton it's at least a couple hundred years old, power corrupts. But if you think about it and get curious about it for just a moment, so the power corrupts, the person's fine, and then you give them the power and the power makes them corrupt, does that make more sense or less sense than the corruption and the lack of integrity was already there and the power gave them more ability to express it? Which makes more sense to you? How is it-
1: it should right. be that power nurtures corruption. How, how does it do that? Like the power is, the
0: this is the power the cups like the power and it's like it's okay you can embezzle 10 million dollars well, go ahead.
1: Ha, how how I would answer I mean there are there's a lot of uh, studies that show that people like a better predictor of someone's behavior is the situation the context they're in ov- more than who that person is so if so if if you believe that if you can accept those studies but that's an if you'd have to go back to that wait
0: hold on i have a question there this is fun thanks for bringing this josh so the person is a victim of their circumstances then their behavior is dictated by the situation that they're in that would mean Uh, they're not responsible for their behavior
1: then so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I think people are responsible for their behavior. And so uh-huh. all I'm doing is stating a um uh, there's research. There is oh, yeah. evidence that shows that sure. that people to predict a person's behavior it mm-hmm. is more. You will better predict their behavior if you know what situation they're in. Than if you know alone what kind of person they are.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, I get that. But then the question is, why is that? And should we focus on that? That's the same logic as instead of teaching uh, healthy eating habits in school or at home, we'll just put the vegetables at the front of the lunch line in the school. Right. Table, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which right. Creates That's it. More That's
1: vegetable good. eating. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's an, an is anti-personal
0: responsibility. Yes, it's true that context dictates behavior. Is that a good thing? Are we okay with that? Right. Ought right. it to be that way? So yeah, I get so, that. That's true.
1: How there's can al- we change
0: that? Right. Yes, because because otherwise that's what turns pub- into public policy. It's like you know it sees people as rats and you know creating mazes for them. Yeah. There's there's the, my one of my favorite studies is that one where they put people in a room. And they have, uh, you know, say six people and one of them is the subject and the other five are plants. And then they show them lines of different lengths and, and uh, they say, which is the longest line? And they have the uh, subject at the very end and everybody lies and distorts reality and says, no, this line is shorter. And then they, and like something like 60 to 80% of the time, the cowardly, weak subject folds and goes with the rest of the people yeah now that's a judgment that they're cowardly and weak so you could say um but that's my truth because collectivism in that case there's a great example of what we we're saying before in that moment for those subjects the comfort of getting along with the group is more important than the truth because someone who was strong and had courage and was in integrity
1: with themselves would go are you guys crazy? Do, do that think- line's
0: clearly longer than the other one.
1: So uh, I, I gotta, I have a, I'm curious about that. And unfortunately, I mentioned you before. I, just so everybody else knows, if you're curious, I'm going to drop off in a minute here. <laughs> <That's> um, <fine. laughs> and for the first section of this course, for the first, I don't know, maybe like four, to, four to eight weeks, I, I have an opportunity to facilitate training That's I did not dictate the time for. It starts in a yeah, couple totally minutes. Totally fine. Josh drunk. already cleared this one, man. It's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I just wanted, the, the question I would ask about this, the situation with six people in a room, five plants, you know, and, the, and the, the subject of the experiment is, do you think it's possible that something about like their actual perception of reality is warped and they actually think, think that the line is short, you know, I mean, rather than it being like, they're making a cowardly choice, it's actually like these other people, I don't know. Yes,
0: yes. And I think that's demonstrable. I'd say in some of those cases, if, if the conditioning is deep enough, can one's unconscious need to get along and avoid discomfort, distort our reality so starkly that the line that's longer appears shorter? Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, how else can you explain what's going on in the world in so many different places? People distort reality. Yeah. So, yeah, that can be um, reduced down to something that simple. They don't so, so, even realize they're, they're distorting it.
1: So uh, power corrupts um, if power can distort one's reality and to the point of corrupting you. The
0: idea that power corrupts is pre-psychological. That was like 50 years before Freud. Yeah. And yet we're still quoting that. So there was no appreciation of what childhood wounding could do to someone's relationship to power. Yeah. So, you know, but like I said, when uh, physical science was uh, that old, everything was made of earth, fire, air and water. But we've progressed a little bit beyond that, haven't we? Got like 130 things things are made of now. So it's a primitive idea. That we still hold on to and play victim to power instead of going, hmm, I got all this power or I got all this money. I wonder why that happened. But we're still painting this picture of power corrupting.
1: Well, Therefore, just if, all
0: politicians are, you know, reasonably corrupt. If,
1: ahead, if we're gonna say that power corrupts, wouldn't the opposite of corruption
0: also be true with power? So like if it corrupts, it would have to also be an opportunity for growth or development. Sure. And it clearly does that as well.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it certainly doesn't always corrupt. So then we would ask, okay, well, what is the determining factor for power corrupting or not? Is it just like sometimes power is feeling kind of devious and it's going to corrupt you? Right. It's completely personified, right? Power doesn't have motives. It's not a thing. It's not some devious little, you know, uh, gremlin. But I'm sure at one point in history, in certain cultures, it was seen as exactly that. You know, that's where the, in all these cultures where they came up with uh, these polytheistic models of gods being jealous and messing with you, right? Because they didn't have any concept of psychology. So they had to externalize it and create things like the devil or, you know, Loki or, you know, choose your paradigm. And that way we don't have to take responsibility for, oh, it's in here and there's actually something I can do about it. Anyway, all right, I'm going to be quiet finally and ask you guys, you've had some time to think about it. Why are you here? Why are you here? Because that will shape the frame of the course because I could uh, say lots of things and do lots of things, but I want to know why you're here. What was it about the art of asking questions that piqued your interest such that you are here now? All right, I'll go. Um, Please. I am – Um, deeply curious I prefer to be on the in a deep conversation where I'm asking questions and learning all the time so I love that where (laughs) where I want to grow is the next question
1: I find um, in management that I stop one to two questions shy of what I'm really trying to get at and I haven't been able to
0: um, understand or find out in myself why I stop so I want to yeah, I want to see what that trigger is. I want to see what the next question is, and just I, I want to get to the end of the questions. Yeah, that's a great intention to have. To be curious about what that limit of curiosity is. We'll assume for a moment that that's what it is. We don't absolutely know if that's what it is, but I think that's that's the best idea I have for it. Thank you, Catherine. Anyone else? I can go,
1: Joseph. Um, sure. For me, for me, you. I don't think you can ever be good enough at, at, at asking questions. And so I think I'm on a pursuit to ask far better questions. And so that's why I'm here.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks, Karen.
1: Yes, we'll Hello.
0: definitely cover that. Go ahead, Mary.
1: Well, as you know, I'm a business coach. And I think the art of asking questions in a skillful way allows you to Like Catherine said, instead of uh, going horizontal, there's some depth. And so I want to master that skill. And you're probably one of the best that I know that can do that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. I can't actually take a whole lot of credit for it in some ways because I'm a quadruple Gemini, which is the most curious type. And that's why... uh, uh, just, just to to not pat myself on the back too much. I was born curious more, more than most. So, uh, And then, you know, if you're curious about asking questions, you'll get really good at asking them. But to me, uh, you were talking about business coaching. A, a business coach or really any kind of coach, you only have to be an expert at one thing, and that is asking questions. If you can be an expert at asking questions, so much other expertise either one isn't necessary or two will just come and uh that's uh that's what i've based my entire career on just getting good at asking questions always wanting to know what the next best question could be how do i get from a to b faster thanks for listening to manage to engage the clear and open podcast Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.